0: Air Books presents *End in Samsara*, written by J.W. Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part One, Chapter Twenty Two: Dented Principles. When did this happen? Less than two hours ago. It's a residential area slightly north of the capital, a stone's throw from the most touristy part. Mr. O'Malley moved away from Jordana's keyboard and rose to his full height. This is apparently a low-crime area. They're definitely not used to seeing this kind of thing. And the woman who sent the video, what does she know about it? Sweet F.A., the chief editor replied. Jordana hit play on the video once more. Although the camera phone footage was shaky and not the best quality, the source had caught just enough to sufficiently capture the bizarre scene. It would have been more advantageous, however, not least for the local authorities, if they'd managed to capture more of the fleeing female target. Filmed through a slightly discoloured window, the slender figure, dressed in black, with long dark hair, graced the screen for less than a second, tearing down an empty and slightly run-down street. The camera flicked around to an armed man chasing close behind. It's clear why he doesn't see what's coming as he sprints across the road, His balaclava has sagged down, obscuring his eyes and most of his nose. The next part is lightning fast. The bus collides with the man like a moving wall. The oblivious chaser wallops the windscreen like plasticine flung at a window. He's launched back and levelled. The bus screeches to a halt and skids forward several feet, concealing the horizontal obstruction entirely. One front corner of the vehicle lifts slightly, indicating that a tyre has likely rolled over the man's body, and the footage ends. Not too graphic for general consumption? she asked. We have clearance, Mr O'Malley shrugged. Introduced with a disturbing content warning. Has the man been identified yet? No, too early for that. Jordana raised a sculpted eyebrow. So what do you want me to do exactly? What do you think? edit, attach a brief accompanying paragraph and publish ASAP. With what details? We don't know anything. I don't know. Mad gunman in balaclava taken out by an oncoming bus. He raised his finger. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Put that. Boss, I. We've paid for exclusive rights to the footage. Post it before it leaks somewhere else. The editor smiled before patting her on the back and leaving her cubicle. Jordana watched the video a few more times and soon became queasy. Though she should have had the stomach for such violent images by now, this one disturbed her more than most. The lack of detail somehow made it more distressing. Who was the gunman? The woman he was chasing? What would he have done if he'd caught her? Mr O'Malley had mentioned that it wasn't a notoriously dangerous area, Why would a man be brandishing a gun so brazenly in the middle of the afternoon? It didn't seem consistent with regular gang violence. What angle should she take? Swift karmic justice in the capital of Barbados? Or unknown criminal gets his just desserts in Bridgetown? Distasteful, she thought, shaking her head. Jordana supposed she should feel grateful to be entrusted with such a shocking visceral story she knew full well that this was a reward for her recent activity but it didn't seem like a story to her at all devoid of any cogent details it was just a snippet of gratuitous violence a fleeting snuff film what was to be gained from sharing this with the world the journalist sighed the overwhelming buzz generated by her recent interview had truly rattled her So too had her own inner conflict in sacrificing all integrity to land it, and now she was presented with this, as if her moral compass wasn't already compromised. The editor had grinned when he passed it down to her, like a master throwing his dog a particularly juicy bone for good behaviour. She believed her recent adjustment of ethics was an isolated case. Was this her life now? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, an uncertain voice in her head asserted. The voice had a point. What would she do? Reject the story? As if every second spent on it was causing her physical harm, she quickly edited the video, then barely applying any real attention to her own words, she typed up a vague paragraph with the scant details in her possession and sent it back to her boss. She felt an overwhelming impulse to cleanse herself after she was finished. With no showering facilities in the building, she settled on the next best thing. Realising she'd not resorted to this particular compulsion for the best part of a decade, Jordana opened an anonymous browser tab on her computer and visited an old, familiar website. Heading the webpage was the title, Nameless Confessions. It was a forum she'd frequented regularly in her late teens and early twenties, typically after engaging in a regrettable act. On the message board, users with a heavy heart would describe in detail their tale of woe and request advice from any of the strangers who happened to read it. In Jordana's humble opinion, much of the advice was negligible. The author of each confession was really taken to task, often being told not to sweat it, but Jordana always attempted to go against the grain. The woman never contributed a dilemma of her own. She simply scoured for the most compelling story and tried to embody her most virtuous self. This false and holier-than-thou advice-giver had emerged in her attempt to exemplify the principled guru she wished she could be, if only for an hour or two. It did not take the journalist long to find a confession she could truly sink her teeth into. Dear anonymous advisers, I have recently done something I am inconsolably ashamed of. I am currently dating a colleague, and the boss we share is something of a celebrity. I have had a significant crush on him for several years, the boss, and in a moment of weakness we slept together. Immediately after doing so I realised what a terrible mistake I'd made. The man I am dating is the love of my life, but I was temporarily blindsided by our boss's charm. I have no desire to repeat the mistake, quite the contrary. It actually made me understand how much I care about my colleague stroke lover and how insignificant the crush is in comparison. My boss said we should keep the incident between us, but I feel so guilty about it. That's what's been keeping me up at night. I feel that telling my partner about the affair will destroy any chance of a future between us as well as jeopardising his own relationship with the third party, who also happens to be a dear friend of his. I am at my wit's end. Please tell me what I can do to escape this misery. Yours sincerely, V. Jordana scoffed at a few of the replies. If it was as meaningless to you as you say it is, just forget about it and move on, one of them read, and the general consensus seemed to agree that no good could come of telling the truth. With a certain relish, Jordana frantically went about writing her own reply. Dear V, at the risk of offending the above advisers and sounding overly pious, I would like to present an alternative opinion. It seems to me that you are morally incapable of simply shrugging off such a destructive act of infidelity and continuing to pretend like nothing has happened. It is perhaps with good reason that you feel as awful as you do, As well as your own romantic relationship, you've also endangered the kinship between your partner and his boss, friend. And equally your own professional connection to your employer. You have my sympathy for the inner turmoil this act has inspired in you, and the web of lies it's undoubtedly spun. But in order to truly atone for your mistake and move on with your life, you must now start telling the truth. Tell your partner exactly what happened. Although I cannot promise that he will forgive you, to keep it from him is to rob him of the truth and to force you to carry on, bearing this awful burden. It is well within your power to put an end to the deception and clear your own conscience. Yours sincerely, J. The journalist smiled, experiencing a transient wave of satisfaction as she hit the submit button, and just like a wave, the sensation levelled out and she resumed her original state one consumed with flaws and shame. She could not follow these sententious values if her life depended on it. After leaving the office that evening, Jordana stopped off at a liquor store and bought a bottle of scotch, pouring a large measure into her gym flask for the train ride home. By the time she reached her station, her flask was empty and there was a definite sway in her walk. In her kitchen, she filled a pint glass with ice and poured most of the remaining scotch into it. Spread out on her corner sofa with her laptop on her stomach, she drank and trawled through old photos on social media. She opened images of her parents on separate tabs and enlarged them. Some of the photographs were of the three of them together. They looked happy. Was it all a pretense? The images had started to become blurry by the time she drained her glass. With some difficulty, she scrambled for her phone and found her parents' landline number. She paused, knowing it was a bad idea to call in this state. If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Book's podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode.